Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hawaii Community Church. So glad you're here. You came when it was raining, and now it's sunny, and we're so glad to be with you. Would you stand? We're going to spend some time worshiping through song. I encourage you to sing out with us this morning. Alone. And so we sing this out 
Sing it loud. Sing it to remind each other, to remind yourselves this morning. This is your love awakening. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so it's not a surprise to see the first service filled. <laughs> the good news is that today's Super Bowl Sunday, which means baseball season, it's, it's, it's going to start wrapping up tomorrow. There we go. I didn't know that. The sound guy in the back told me, so uh, <laughs> I have no credit in that one. Well, welcome to the Hoya Community Church. My name is Ian O'Mara. I'm the director of Community Life. I want to direct your attention to our bulletins. If you have the bulletin, can you go ahead and hold that up real quick? If you flip to the inside cover, 
you'll see that our prayer and connection card, and the opposite side is all the events we have going on. Well, on our prayer and connection card, we're a church that's rooted in prayer. And last week, we had 98 prayer requests. That is fantastic. We have to get together and pray for those prayer requests, to, to reach out to people that were in need, to praise with people and thank and be thankful for those who have like good things going on. But that's just a reality. There's a lot going on in our lives, the good and the bad. And when we come together in prayer is when we can all be united in Christ. So we're going to take the next 10 to 15 seconds. There's a pen in the seat back in front of you. Go ahead and grab that. And we're going to fill those out. Even if it's just throw your, your name on there and a quick little mark of pray for my neighbor, pray for my kids, pray for me, pray for my neighborhood, pray that the rain stops so I don't slip in the mud on the way out. Whatever it is, there's no prayer request too big, none too small. We're just, so we're going to take the next 10 to 15 seconds to fill those out. Thank you for taking that time. If you're still filling those out, um, yeah, just keep going. We're going to have the uh, ushers come by just a few minutes. So that bulletin folds nicely in half, and that prayer connection card just pops right out. You can fold it in half and put it in the offering plate as the ushers come by. But on the other side of that bulletin is our announcement. So I want I got a couple announcements I want to highlight today. The first one being our women's tea. How many ladies participated in the women's tea last year? Hold on, let's, let's rewind. I heard, a, I heard a woo and a couple hands go like that. How many ladies participated in the women's tea last year? Yeah. Dom was there. I turned out Yeah, that's a whole separate note, but I want you to save the date. It's coming up on March 2nd. All that information, I want you to write it down. If you are a woman or you know women or you know some people that will be blessed, a neighbor, a relative, a child, a, a parent, whoever is a woman that you know that would be benefited from this, Please invite them to it. There's scholarships available, but we want to have you save that date today. There's, it's coming within a month, so we want to. You have to start engaging in that conversation. Lynn, who's in the back, Lynn, raise your hand. You can. Lynn's heading that up this year. We're going to have people out at the table to start signing you up today. Uh, please get go out there and start that conversation. Get more information you need it. If you know some people that would be interested, start pointing to our website, and that's ljcc.org. Well, we have another big event coming up at the end of the month. It's our Community Serve Day. That's going to happen on February 24th right here. We're not going to be having services. We're going to be getting together, and we're going to be going out into our community to bless those around it. We're going to be at Stanley Middle. We're going to have people here doing stuff for veterans, doing stuff for children. So there's plenty of ways to get involved. But we need you to RSVP so we know how many people we have getting connected. So please, start doing that today. You can go to our website. You can come out and ask, talk to me after the service. Whatever you need to get connected or ask that question. Please do that. Well, if you see in the seatbacks in front of you, we have our, our annual faith commitment card. And I'm going to invite uh, our director of our board, Tom Lennard, to come up here to talk to us for a few minutes. Thanks, Ian. Hey, good morning. Uh, so on, on behalf of our uh, board of trustees, uh, a couple of things just from, from uh, last year's giving, I just want to say thank you, thank you, and thank you again for giving generously. Um, your faithfulness to La Jolla Community Church helps us to pursue our mission. So that's to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God by equipping everyday people to walk with Jesus every day. Here are just a, a few examples, just a smattering of, of how your generous giving impacted our community for Christ in 2018. So we had three big Easter services with over 700 people celebrating the risen Lord. There are two Christmas Eve services preaching the gospel to over 600 we had a terrific August beach baptism uh, where we had over 10 new believers publicly giving their lives to Christ. Summer mission trip to Guatemala. Uh, there were winter and summer camps for kids in junior high, high school. Many of those kids made their, made their decision for Christ and were baptized that summer. Uh, so wonderful things happening in the name of God. Um, we had our harvest festival. That reaches over 700 people in our community. So lots of different ways. There's too many things to list here. But your giving also helps La Jolla Community Church with, with more mundane things, basic things like paying our utility bills, our insurance, um, staff salaries, all, all the things that, that 
go to run an enterprise. It's all really important, and it can't be done without your generous giving, so thank you again. Um, now, if, if you're like I was a few years back, and you see this card, and I remember Steve talking about this, and I said, wait, I said to myself, they really want me to write down what I'm gonna give and commit that for the whole year? I said, no way, I'm not doing it. Right? A couple laughed. <laughs> People laughing. I didn't. I, I wouldn't do it for a while. I was stubborn. I'm a stubborn guy. Um, and, and so I kind of dug my heels in, but I came around eventually. My, my wife and I prayed about it, and we thought, you know, this really is important for the church. They need to understand what's going to come in in giving so they can plan and budget accordingly. So it, it really is super important. We finally came around, and I've been signing this card and sending it in. Um, it's really easy to do online too. There's a simple link and you, and you just click it. Um, so if you're, if you're already doing this, um, thank you very much. Um, you know, some people may also be a little bit concerned about the confidentiality of this when it comes in. You know, who, who gets to see what you're gonna commit to? Well, the, the, the simple answer is there's only two people. It goes to our CFO um, and then our, our uh, chair of the generosity committee sees it. So just two people. So the board doesn't see it. The pastors don't see what your commitment is. It's, it's kept confidential, and, and we only consider it in aggregate when, it, when it's rolled up with everybody else's. So nobody sees the individual um, commitments, but they are really, really important. So bottom line is giving generously is a key value. Um, it, it's tremendously important for the church. It's the only way uh, they can understand what's coming in and how to plan and budget. Um, so. Thank you so much if you're already giving and you've already committed. Um, if you haven't done so yet, if you haven't made a commitment, um, I just ask you to pray about it and uh, strongly encourage you to send it in. So thanks so much. I know when you do, you will be blessed. You will bless others. And we thank you so much. Thank you, John. And I would just say as a pastoral staff, we just say you're such a generous church. You're such a beautiful church. It's such a joy to serve you and serve alongside of you. As we recap, we did an exercise with Rihanna a few weeks ago where she had us look at 2018 and, and post sticky notes of all the things that God was doing in, in our community. And we filled up this huge 2018. It was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And so I just want to say you've been so generous with your time, talent, and treasure. And so thank you for that. It's so fun to co-labor for Christ with you. And we're going to do that now. We're going to do an extension of our worship as we give. And this is for those that came to give. It's not out of guilt or reluctance, but we give out of joy. And we give out of excitement to say we're so excited to partner with the Lord and that he would use us in incredible ways. And if you're our guest, this is just time to be our guest and watch the body of Christ respond. And many of you give online or you're in gifts, so this is no obligation to give, but this is just a way to worship. If you do have your connection card or your prayer request form, please put that in as the ushers come forward now to receive our offering. Silence here, Jesus, Jesus. 
there was like this prayer chapel and the kids had an opportunity to do this prayer walk and in the chapel there was books of just all these different prayer requests that kids throughout the years of camp have written down so they were reading prayer requests of um, campers that wrote prayers in like the 60s and just it was really cool for the kids to see that um, a highlight for me as a counselor at the camp was the last night the camp set apart this um, chunk of time for the kids to just be able to pause and reflect so they set up stations throughout the camp where kids could go and um, ask for forgiveness or dedicate their lives to Christ or even ask questions, receive prayer. So that was really cool to see our kids from LJCC go through that and um, just dedicate their life to Christ and grow in their relationships uh, with him. And so after that, we went on this night hike as a church with our boy and our, our boys in our girls cabin. And we would just turn off the our flashlights and the kids would be like, oh my gosh, and we would look up and just see the stars and just really be in God's beauty and his presence and be able to sit. And it was just a really cool opportunity to share that with the kids at our church um, and just be able to um, sit and be peaceful and just rest in God's beauty. So it was a really cool experience uh, to go as a counselor. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks so much, Lynn. That was wonderful hearing from her. Love it. Camp is the best. And we are going to hear a little bit more from our junior high and high school students in just a little bit. But first, I wanted to introduce our theme and our scripture for this morning, because today is the bridge between two sermon series. In January, we heard from Steve, our senior pastor, as he guided us back to the basics through effective prayer, inspiring Bible study, mindful meditation on scripture, and joining God in his creative work. And if you think about it, the natural consequence or outcome of spending time with God would be growing your heart for others, right? So in February, we are turning towards discovering what it means to connect to community. And today, we're starting that off with a message on God's desire for a unified family. And today is a special Sunday. Do you know why? What is it? It's a football Sunday. Oh, it's a Super Bowl today? Oh, yeah, that's right. It is. Who are you rooting for? Rams! Oh, my, my goodness. <laughs> Does anyone else root for the snack table? <laughs> Everyone's like, touchdown! I'm like, luck! <laughs> and chips! <laughs> That's just me, probably. It's fine. Um, but yeah, today is a special Sunday for two reasons, I guess. It's the Super Bowl, yes. And it's also a family service! That's what I thought you were going to say. Oh, it's okay. I'm fine. Because here at LJCC, we have this incredible intergenerational community. And when we get the chance, we bring everybody together, our kids and our youth, to worship all together as a big church family. Because one of our core values is that we are better together. And I know some of you might be rolling your eyes. You're like, mm, family service, yay. But here's the deal. Just like when you get all your relatives in the room at the same time, when you have family together, not everyone sees eye to eye, and that's totally fine. Because similarly here, not everyone is just like you. People are in different ages, in stages, different walks in their faith and in life. And that is what makes the church so beautiful. But those differences can also cause conflict. Am I right? <laughs> Just like in family. They can divide people. And when we get focused on the things that separate us, we can lose focus on joining God in his mission of redemption to the world. But like I said, those differences are what makes the church so beautiful that we collectively all together make up the body of Christ for the church and we can be one united family. But Jesus knew that his followers wouldn't always see eye to eye. So he gave us some instructions for that. So we're going to turn to scripture this morning to Matthew 22 verse 34 through 40. <laughs> But let me set the scene for where we're at in this scripture. Because Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with his disciples. And the Jewish religious leaders 
have been pretty offended by the things that Jesus has said, and rightfully so. He's called them out really blatantly for the way that they have placed God's law over God's people. And Jesus went into the temple flipping tables because he was clearing out the money changers who were taking advantage of the family of Israel, God's family. And they probably didn't appreciate that very much. In fact, we know they didn't appreciate that very much because they were trying to kill Jesus. <laughs> so this passage is in a series of questions where they're trying to trick Jesus and make him say something that will lose his crowd so that they can go in and arrest him. And that is where we begin. In Matthew 22, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them... An expert in the law tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Much better. Okay. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So I have some questions about these commandments, and I have a feeling you might also. So I'm just going to ask them for the both of us. And my first question is this. Who are Sadducees and Pharisees? Well, Sadducees were this wealthy Jewish political party, and they did not believe in the resurrection, which you can read about in the verses right before this one. And they were rivals to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were also Jewish, but they emphasized strict obedience to the law to avoid any possible impurity. And both the Sadducees and the Pharisees were oppressing the families of Israel rather than loving them. And Jesus comes in and he says, you're totally missing it. So that's helpful to know. But my second question is this, what kind of law are we talking about? I took a business law class in undergrad. There's like civil law and criminal law. There's all sorts of options. But this man would have been an expert in mosaic law. The law of putting little pieces of tile together. Oh, just kidding. No, the guidelines. These would have been the guidelines that God gave Moses when he brought his people out of Egypt to set them apart as his holy nation. And they, these Pharisees definitely would have recognized the references that Jesus makes here because he pulls these two commands from Old Testament scripture. His first one was a reference to Deuteronomy 6.5, also known as the Shema, which they would have recited twice a day. They would have had it completely memorized. And then the second one, he's quoting Leviticus 19.18, also an Old Testament scripture that they would have picked up on just like that. And then I want to know, why do they care about the greatest law? How many laws were there? What are we talking? Does anyone know? Does anyone have a guess how many laws there were? I think I heard it. Did someone say 613? Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> there were 613 laws, and that is just a lot to keep track of. I don't blame them for wanting to know which one should we pay attention to more than others, which are more weighty. And so this was actually a question that the critics of the law would have been asking each other. They would have debated because some people would have said circumcision. Others would have said Sabbath, other sacrifices. So it's something they would have wanted to know, but they're trying to catch Jesus, magnifying one commandment and disregarding the rest. But Jesus doesn't fall for it. He doesn't exclude parts of the law as unnecessary. Instead, he sums them up into two things that include the rest. And they really get back to what the law was even there for in the first place. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, with your entire being, with everything that you are. And he moves on to the second in sequence, not in significance. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus is saying that the best demonstration of love for God is showing love to others. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And that leads me to my last question. Who is my neighbor? Because the Jewish audience that Jesus was speaking to would have thought, oh yeah, love my neighbor. I'm great at loving other Jews. I got this down, check. Because <laughs> their religious world was one where you could love God but treat people poorly. So Jesus introduces something completely new. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on later to define what a neighbor is. And he completely changes their definition in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Do you guys know that one? In that, he says, your neighbor is not just someone like you or someone you like. A neighbor is anyone, anywhere with a need that you can meet. They may be nothing like you, and they may not even like you, but that is your neighbor. Now, isn't it so much easier to love our neighbor when our neighbors are people we choose to be around? People who do the same things we do, like what we like, and do what we do, and who like us? Yeah, it is. But that's not what Jesus calls us to. He says, love others as yourself. And in fact, he raises the bar from there. In John 13, he says, a new command I have for you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And it is by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus takes the golden rule up a notch. You guys know what the golden rule is? What is it? Treat others the way. Have you guys not been to kindergarten recently? Just kidding. <laughs> Treat others the way you want to be treated. And Jesus throws that out the window. He says, no, it's not love the way you want to be loved. And it's definitely not love in the same way that you have or have not been loved by others. He says, love is I have loved you. And how has Jesus loved us? Well, he came to earth, he humbled himself as a man to show us what love is so that we could go in turn and love others. He pours out grace when we don't deserve it so that we can pour that grace to the people we know. He is patient with us as we learn and grow so that we can be patient with others. And he forgives us when we come up short over and over and over again so that we can go and pour that forgiveness out to others. And that was all before the cross to show us what love would require. And then later on in 1 John 4.20, he says, not Jesus, but the apostle says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And this scripture is so convicting to me, because sometimes it's way easier to love God than the people in my life. And Jesus is saying, that's actually not possible. Because Jesus asked those who follow him to be a united family marked by loving God and loving others as Jesus has loved us. And by this one thing, by this, not your correct doctrine, not how eloquently you pray, not how many Bible studies you go to. He says, people will know that you are my followers because you love one another. Can you imagine if we could love like Jesus loved, how that would change the world around us? Think about it. If you personally took this to heart, if I took this to heart, how would Jesus' command change the way that I see my own faith? Because on the one hand, it makes it simpler. Love God, love others. Okay. But on the other hand, it's not as easy as it sounds, is it? 
It's difficult to know how to love people sometimes. And to that, Jesus says, follow my example. Love as I have loved you. Jesus keeps it simple. It's like the true north on a compass. I brought this really giant compass. You could all see it in the back. It's nice. Um, so I want you to raise your hand. There's not too many of you here at the first service. But if you are under 18 and you know what a compass is, and how to use one. Like if I dropped you off in the wilderness right now, you'd be okay. Anybody? Any takers? Okay, we got a maybe. We got a, mm, yeah, sure, why not? Well, there's something that I learned my first time taking kids to camp at Forest Home, and that is that I was following the map on my phone, and we were heading up. If you go up past like Redlands, you turn onto the 38. All is well and good. You're in the mountains. You're like, oh, we're almost there, finally. We can have a potty break. And it's awesome. Everything's going great until the cell service cuts out. And you have a few more turns to take, but no map to tell you when to turn. <laughs> but I was a Girl Scout when I was a kid, so always prepared. I brought a paper copy. We were all good. We got there totally fine. But this is something that I wish was part of the camp experience, was like the compass situation. Like how great would it be if the first challenge of camp was at that point where the cell service cut out, we just let all the kids out, gave them a map and a compass, and we're like, okay, see you at camp. Enjoy your time with God in the wilderness. Just kidding, I'd never do that, never. <laughs> but like I said, I was a Girl Scout when I was a kid, and my mom was our troop leader. So my dad was like our honorary troop leader. He's kind of intense. He was really into survival skills. So it got a little man versus wild sometimes. We would go backpacking and we'd have to like make our own fires and cook our own food and find shelter and forage in the plants to see which ones were safe or poisonous. It's like survival of the fittest, learn or die. If you eat the poison ones, you lose. But. So not exactly that, that intense, but we would go on trips. We learned all about the 10 essentials and how to use a compass and all those fun things. And that's something I miss, was having to use a compass to figure it out. Because if you don't know how to use one, you could literally be walking for hours and hours and hours in the wrong direction, and you wouldn't even know it. So it's super important to know we're headed in the right direction. And I think the same thing can happen in life. If we lose focus, on Christ. If we're not setting our eyes on him, we forget what following Jesus is actually about, and we can start going in the wrong direction when we get more focused on ourselves and surrounding ourselves with people who are like us and who do the things that we do because it's comfortable, but it gets us off track. And I think that that's why Jesus gives us this verse as a compass. He says, love as I have loved you. It's like our true north. So when our coworkers may be throwing each other under the bus to get that promotion, Jesus says, love them as I have loved you. Or when our friends are talking behind each other's back, Jesus says, forgive as I have forgiven you. Or in family, at home, I know that's, for me, that's definitely when it's the easiest to focus on myself and my needs. And Jesus calls us to serve one another and to put the needs of our mom and our dad and our brothers and our sisters over our own. Or maybe the people who live around you, they might not be your best friends, but Jesus calls us to love them. Or maybe for some of us, we need to get out of our neighborhood, just like Jesus did coming to earth to be with us and go find people who don't look like us to show them the love of Christ and to go out of our way to love the poor and the fatherless and the widow and the blind and the stranger, the people close to God's heart. And love is putting others above ourselves and learning how to serve them. And that was actually the theme of the high school retreat. So I'm gonna bring up Ryan and I think Caleb and they're gonna share a little bit about high school camp with you. Morning, the Hawaii Community Church. 
So over the weekend, I took the, the high school kids up to high school camp, and one of the things that's so powerful about going off to camp is it, it doesn't matter what curriculum I put together. It doesn't matter how well I plan things out. The kids always find ways to have way better conversations than I could ever dream of when they're like ready to go to bed. I remember uh, on this particular camp, I, I was so pumped for everything that we were doing. It's gonna be a great week. I've got all this amazing curriculum planned out, this great lesson. They, they go down for bed Friday night, and I remember I get up to make sure everybody's asleep. They're all doing great, and I hear some noise coming from one of the rooms. And I walk over to the room, and I crack the door open, and a bunch of high school boys are having the deepest theological discussion I've ever heard at like 1130 <laughs> at night. And part of me is conflicted because I was like, I told you guys to be quiet half an hour ago. But how do you stop a conversation like that? It's, it's one of the most beautiful, beautiful things that these kids just, just digging deep into the word because they're in a community together. Because they're not in a place where they're forced to do something, they're off at camp just being with Jesus. And who would have thought when you go to be with Jesus, he shows up. And, and I love the, the power that exists just being together in a community. One of my favorite metaphors, and I've used this ever since I was a kid, is the, the metaphor of the siblings. And the dad walks up and hands each one of these siblings a stick. And he asks them to break it, and the, and the sticks all snap easily. Then he takes the halves that the kids have left, and he bundles them together in a bunch. And he tells them, now snap the bundle. And the bundle's impossible to break. Because when we come together as a body of Christ, when we, when we put our selfish needs aside and we join as a group, our faith becomes immovable. When you're bound with Jesus, it's impossible to be broken. And so that's the atmosphere that we try and create at camp. That's the atmosphere that I put together. Because it doesn't matter how great my curriculum is. It doesn't matter how great our worship is. But when you come together as a community believing in Jesus, beautiful, beautiful things happen. So I brought Caleb along with me. Caleb's got a couple sentences and a few things he wants to say about junior high camp. So. Yeah, yeah. I went with the junior hires up to Forest Home as well as the children's. Um, and I really love just the junior high youth group in general because we do act like a family. And like whether that's uh, like playing games with each other or competing with each other or even clogging each other's toilets, um, it's great. It's just like a family and we're all together. Um, and especially at junior high camp, um, we get to just hang out with each other. We got to play some epic laser tag games and we even like stabbed fruit and made a huge mess. Um, that's fun. I didn't encourage it, by the way. That, that was all they're doing. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just crazy how um, how like they're they're a family, and we build this family like, every week. We we go week by week for junior high group on Wednesday nights, and we just grow closer together, and we learn more about God. And like that's exactly what the body of Christ is for, and we're doing it with junior hires, and I just think that's like awesome. That's pretty much all, all we do with camp. It's, it's about bonding together as a family. And so I would encourage if you guys have an opportunity to, to either serve at a camp or to, to participate in, I know we do men's retreats and women's retreats. They're, these are opportunities that don't have to end just because you leave high school or junior high or kids. The, these are opportunities where Jesus will show up in your life if you put yourself out there. And they're uncomfortable. I'm an introvert. Going to camps for me is really, really hard especially when you have to go up with the junior hires and they're smelly for a month. <laughs> Every single time we go to, I've gone to summer camp, there's one kid you have to drag to the shower because he has refused to shower for an entire week and is going to stink up my car the entire way back. So blessings, parents. I make sure they shower. Don't worry. Um, but I would encourage you guys, find an opportunity because the things that happen at camp in the students, but as well as in all of us leaders, I know Caleb and Haley would attest to the very same things. It will change your life. So good. And camp is such an awesome example of this commandment to love God and love others. We spend the whole weekend or the week focusing on God and Bible study and worship and in our church community, growing in relationship with each other, practicing what it means to be a church family. But God calls all of us 
as his followers to be a united family marked by love, serving each other, putting others' preferences above our own. And we have to stop learning. We have to learn how to stop being so divisive and to love those who are different than us. Because families can be messy. There can be fights. There can be disappointments, and we can start seeing each other as more of the enemy rather than family. Isn't that true? But God didn't leave us alone in the woods to figure it out. He gave us a compass to love as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And I want to say one thing as I wrap up is that the point of this command is not a checklist to mark off the box of loving others. Because if that was the case, then just this week while I was preparing for this sermon, there are more times than I have fingers to count that I miss the opportunity to love as Jesus has loved me. And that was with my most intentional effort to get this right. But I think that Christ's heart behind this scripture is way more than behavior modification. He wants to transform our hearts. To give us eyes to see his children as he does, made in his image, loved by the Father, so dearly loved that he sent his son to die for us so that we wouldn't have to live separated from him. And he wants to give us that heart for others. And we don't love others because they deserve it. We don't love because they've treated us kindly. We don't even love because the Bible tells us to. We love because it is the only reasonable response to the incredible, unconditional, undeserved love that Jesus has shown us. The kind of love that commands a response to go and do the same. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you and we praise you for how great your love is. We can't even imagine the magnitude of your love for each one of us. And we thank you that you set the example by showing your love on the cross. We pray that you would give us courage to love recklessly, that by the power of the Spirit, you would give us discernment and strength to love unrestrained as you showed us on the cross. And we know that our world is not black and white. It is unclear and confusing. So we pray that you would give us guidance and wisdom and inspiration to love with creativity like you did. And we pray that as we love others, we would come together as a church family, together with the global church, your body of believers, to be known for our love for each other. May that be the mark of the church your servant love made flesh in our hands and feet. Amen. Thank you, Rihanna. What a fantastic sermon. And what better way to celebrate the idea of being a unified family from zero, from birth to death, from zero to 120 that we are a unified family than the communion of our Lord's Supper. Communion is more than just a name where we get some gluten-free matzah and some grape juice. It's when we get together as the body of Christ, we commune in his name. This is the, the one thing Jesus told us to do continually. So we are reminded that it is him. And there he is. He's sitting in the upper room with his closest friends and family, his disciples, even the one that would betray him. And he's sitting there having a meal with him, and he takes the bread, and he breaks it. And he said, this is my body given for you. And then he takes the cup. He blesses it and said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. There's power in that thought. Paul tells us that we are the body of Christ. And he also, when he talks about coming to the communion table, that it's not a religious activity that we just do on the first Sunday of the month or we just do after service or we just do every so often, but it's something that we come to with reflection to say, am I really putting God first? Am I loving him above myself? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? 
really reflecting on those great commandments. Not in a way to shame us, but to reflect. Where are we at? Is it religious or is it relational? So I invite the communion servers to come up. We're going to have four stations, two in the back and two in the front. But I'm going to pray, and I, I encourage you after the prayer finishes to reflect. Where am I at with this? Where am I at with this sermon? Where am I at with God? Am I loving him with my heart, mind, and soul, with all my strength? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Dear Lord, we just thank you so much that we can get together around your table because you laid down your life for us. Not that so we could go on our own, but so we could be a unified part of your family. That we call you Lord. That we're surrounded by those that do different things and act differently and are different than us. But we are united because we are created in your image. That you breathed your life into us. So we may glorify you with every breath. Lord, we just thank you so much that we are this family in this building, in this location, at this time, that we can serve you and be a light into the community. We ask this in your holy and precious name. to be 
if today you're, you're feeling convicted, because you're standing there saying, I know Jesus has loved me, so how can I love others? Well, we have a lot of opportunities here at La Jolla Community Church, one of which is life groups are launching. One of the things we taught the high schoolers up at camp is that everyone can be a leader. It starts with a choice. And leading is nothing more than looking at those around you and offering what Jesus has already offered you. And life groups are a perfect opportunity to do that. For our women, we have the women's tea coming up as a perfect opportunity for you to share the love that Jesus has given you. And even further than that, if you're looking for a way to serve, if on your heart you're begging for an opportunity to give, on February 24th, please sign up. Because it is the most amazing time for us to be able to say to the city of San Diego, not only do we love Jesus, but because we love Jesus, we love our community. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the sun shine warm upon your face, the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of God's hand. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stop it.